Welcome to episode 317 of the Winning Six podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. Uh, this is better. <laughs> I would say so. There was Still... a while there where uh, we haven't won, we haven't recorded like this in a long time. Maybe it's actually not. Maybe there was some like regular season game, like before the world broke, that we did this, but I can't remember. And even so, that's like <laughs> that's over six months ago. So it would be a long, long time. But we're coming right after the game, and we knew it was a possibility today going into this, and it was certainly a possibility at times during that game that we would be having the ultimate funeral pod but yes <laughs> james christian middleton said no jordan yes he did he his eyes lit up every time he saw tyler hero in his sights gord Dragic, and that was the essence of the bucks uh victory it, there was still probably a lot of hair pulling out and just gritted teeth <laughs> throughout that fourth quarter in overtime and everybody bracing for the worst. And, yeah. But we, they live to see another day. They live to see another day. We will talk about... <laughs> will, we, will we talk about Game 3? Do we want to do that? Or just sort of pretend that never happened? Uh, <sighs> like... <sighs> we will. Okay, we will talk about Game 3. <laughs> We will also talk about Game 4. This is what happens when we set ourselves up to do every second. We could take the easy way out and just completely skip past it. We'll skip mostly past it, because I don't think anyone right now wants to you know, go back to that, but we will touch on it a little bit. The books are still 3-1 down. Let's not get too excited, but hey, a win is good. It might be uh, the last one we see for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> At least, they, at least they did that. That's that's kind of my feeling on it. And we just go from here. We see what happens. Of course, the headline really, maybe even more than the win, is that after injuring his ankle in Game 3, um, being questionable right up to about 25 minutes before tip, and then going ahead and playing, and playing his best basketball of the series, Giannis went over on his ankle again early in the second quarter, right? Or was it even late first? I think it was early second. And let out 
an almighty anguished scream. Yep. Struggled to get up, was helped up, helped off the court, eventually hobbled his way back on to take his free throws to give the option of coming back in. But I don't think anyone ever thought that was an option in just the kind of the early post-game quotes that I've seen. Coach Bud has confirmed that wasn't an option, that there was no way he was coming back into the game today. As much as Giannis reportedly pushed to play still. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah. There's like... There's a point you've got to protect him from himself. Maybe yep. some of that has been going on already. I don't know. We'll find out someday, and I guess we'll talk about some of the ins and outs. Of it. But that is the headline news. Giannis has supposedly left uh, the arena in a protective boot. So, we'll see. I would be pretty shocked if Giannis plays Game 5. I think the Bucks will be pragmatic enough about this, and they have also seen the team get a win without him. And there's, there's just, there's no upside from pushing him through this if he's not in a position to do it. And a bad roll the other day, another bad roll today. If that sprain is getting worse and worse with each one, I mean, you're starting to really dice with danger in terms of weakening it up. Yep. There's just, there's no. There's nothing to gain from that. I mean, this is the playoffs, and sure, you win another game winner or two games, and all of a sudden you're, like, still in this thing, and everything's to play for. But I don't think anyone wants to see a kind of another 11-minute stint for Giannis and then injury again, and even worse, because it was it was pretty bad. I mean, when you think of over his time with the books, he obviously hasn't been injured all that often but in terms of he's had some kind of scary moments some awkward falls but that that was the worst i think just in terms of the pain he was clearly in the attention of everyone around him the way he actually had to be held off the court there might be another one but i don't quite remember it right now um yeah i can't even think of i mean last year he had that like kind of string of ankle sprain or rolled ankles that kind of Mm -hmm. happened but it certainly wasn't like to this degree no definitely not i mean part of it is if that's the regular season he's just not playing today like it's it's that simple that's that simple yeah he probably doesn't push for it and they wouldn't be allowing him he'd be taking two or three games off at least where this isn't the regular season so he wanted to and they obviously said okay test it out and see how it goes he tested and that was fine but i mean it's not even it was so innocuous the way it happened that just shows the kind yeah of, it wasn't even it was the thing it about wasn't, it, it wasn't a roll it wasn't like he landed on no it was just, like it was just but yeah on top of just every other rolled ankle that he has suffered in the last i don't know 48 hours <laughs> like it just the pain on top of pain on top of pain it doesn't it, you don't need that much to get into danger zone yeah, I think he had long been there, and that was the result of that. So, look, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, whether we'll see Canis again this season, or once to be seen. Um, without him, though, I mean, Bucks faced a really tough task. I mean, they were down nine points after the first quarter, in spite of Giannis going ballistic. He finished with 19 points in 11 minutes, which pretty good. Um it's unfortunate that he got injured because if he had just figured out how to do that, the books might be going to the conference finals if he could have uh, kept that up. But 
a great burst for him, but the Bucks still found themselves in a hole as no one else could really do anything first quarter. But that changed as the game went on. And as I alluded to at the top, Chris Middleton was the player who really, really pushed on and did that. Mm-hmm. By the way, just one one note. Yeah. The fact that Giannis only played 11 and a half minutes and still was the Bucks' second leading scorer on the day is... <laughs> that just shows how terrific his start was. And, I mean, yeah, he was tremendous. As better than any other time, any stretch that we've seen. Save for that, like third quarter in Game Four, before all hell broke loose. It's kind of hilarious on multiple levels because there's been so much talk about his minutes, his minutes, his minutes, and then he has his best, his best performance certainly. Um, but I mean, like Game One, he played nearly thirty-seven minutes and he had eighteen points. So mm-hmm. in eleven minutes, he outdid Game One. He only had twenty-one points in thirty-five minutes in the last game. Like, it's it's kind of funny. It shows it. And we'll probably circle back and we'll talk minutes and all of that and as it pertains to Giannis later on. We get back to Chris, though. Chris carried the books in a way that I just think he never has really had to before, certainly in a game of these stakes. Yeah. And yet I, I was thinking about it, like, after the fact, and... The books have struggled, and this is not a secret. This is part of why they lost in the conference finals last year. It's also part of like their near misses in the couple of years before that against the Celtics and against the Raptors. They have struggled to have guys who will just up their game and have kind of standout signature playoff performances and signature playoff moments, playoff shots. And more often than not, and this is interesting because there still has been a narrative kind of about his playoff play. Um, and certainly Boy, there have been ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. There have been ups and downs on that, but Chris Middleton has had considerably more playoff moments than any other book on this team. And he is the guy that for, I mean, for any question mark you might have in that regard, I, I'm, kind of have most faith in him to come up with the moment because has Giannis had one in the postseason? Um, I'd, I'd remember. Uh, like, I wouldn't be asking you. I'd think. I, I would say game when he the Celtics series when he figured out Al Horford. That was pretty definitive in my opinion. I guess so, but it's not. it's still not the... I guess part of this is close game, right? And it is. It's oh, like Middleton, oh, gotcha. yeah. Middleton hitting. It's like when the tension and the pressure is at its absolute most in a playoff scenario. Like, I don't really know if another book has come up like that. George Hill is good at having plays in those moments. He may not have had a play to really kind of put the exclamation mark on the game. But George Hill has been reliable in those kind of scenarios. Even in game three, like when the books last scored in game three, I think two of their last three. I think Giannis might have had a dunk that was their last points of that fourth quarter. But before that, George Hill had two really great drives back-to-back, and he had some moments like that in the playoffs last year. But, I mean, I'm not saying they don't need Middleton to be this guy, but Middleton is the closest thing they have to someone who can come up and have these kind of signature moments, signature games, and 
this just really tops it all. I mean, by quite a long distance too. He's having a great series. Like yes. things things cooled off for him in game three. I don't really have an issue with that. Much like in game was game one, wasn't it, when he came out really hot and then again cooled off. But you're talking about let me do the maths in my head really quick. Sixty nine, one oh five. So he's averaging over twenty six points per game and he's doing so on good shooting numbers, like pretty efficient numbers. He's racking up assists at a really good rate. He's got about a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Seven assists. Is that his average seven assists? Yep. He's averaging twenty six point three points, five point eight rebounds, seven assists in the series. Like offensive this is through K K Piven just tweeted this, but Milwaukee their offensive rating with him on is hundred and thirteen point eight points per one hundred possessions. Without him for 43 minutes, it's 93.1. <laughs> like, so the difference, uh, you, the difference you of being... You can't say anything about that, right? It's, yeah, the difference of being, like, one of the best offenses, what the Bucks' offense was throughout the season, to a... To the, the offense that was going to get them sweeped against the Heat. Yeah, to a fourth-quarter level offense. Not, not even. What am I talking about? Not fourth-quarter game three. <laughs> it was still a little better than that. Yeah, I mean, every offense in the history of the NBA, certainly in the playoffs, has been better than that. We're, we're, I mean, I was trying to put that off till later, but we will get to the worst fourth quarter in NBA playoff history in due course, Jordan. Just hold your horses. Sorry. But the thing with Chris was the way he embraced it to me. Yes. The way he knocked down, you know, an abundance of really tough shots. Sure, he missed plenty. But he took 28 shots. And this is, we've talked about it before, Chris. He just needs to shoot. He needs to keep shooting. He had no way out. I mean, technically, he could have not taken the shots. And then everyone who's ever criticized him would have been right. But he knew he had to be the guy. And the books very much set it out as in he is the guy. As if he was the greatest player to ever play the game. It was all Chris Middleton unless Eric Bledsoe could somehow get his hands on it and not give it back. And, (laughs) I mean, the results were so positive. And then you even have other, you just have the way he actually subsidy counted in that moment where you have, say, Dante miss a free throw, which could have won the game in regulation. Mm -hmm. Chris is the first guy over. Like, he, he really embraced the leadership in a very serious way at the most crucial juncture. Almost an uncomfortable... Hey, this might... Never mind, never mind, never mind. I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> you've, got, you've gone way too far down it to stop. So finish your thought. I'm going to make just, you finish whatever this thought was. Just an uncomfortable look into what some reality... What it could be. What it could be. I had a thought. I had a thought of it. I, that this could be... This could be something that we end up seeing at some point. Yep. I'm still... I'll be honest. I'm still skeptical on that. I'm... I'm still feeling pretty good in terms of uh, we don't need to get it with yeah, lots of opportunity. We're we're gonna have a lot of opportunity, but I'm not I'm not getting I'm not giving up on it completely. But yeah, sure, I'm I've no doubt that's that certainly crossed across my mind, across your mind, I'm sure it crossed a lot of other books fans' minds, and it may well have entered Chris's mind, which is mm-hmm. you know I am the second best player on this team. 
you know, I am a person who knows what's going on in the NBA world, and I know what could come next. I know the road we could be headed on. And one way or another, whatever the, the road is, I mean, it's going to be more important than ever for Chris to be great. Yep. And even at this moment, if the books are going to be heading into a desperation summer and, a, you know, prove it or lose them season, uh, Chris is going to have to step up in every way imaginable and be the best player he can possibly be, be the best teammate he can possibly be. Because otherwise, and it's not going to be good for him. It's not going to be good for the books. We, we know what way that will pan out. So if any of that did go through his mind, or if he is just kind of, capable of zooming out and also catching some of the bigger picture i even more credit to him but as it was i mean to play 48 minutes and to have his 36 points but eight rebounds eight assists as well the first book since kareem abdul jabbar to have over mm-hmm. 35 eight and eight in a playoff game so big well done to chris beyond that i mean they got good contributions when it mattered from lots of players yep but no one was there, like, as a steady, okay, if Chris is the number one guy now, I'm going to step into his number two spot. Am I right in saying that? Would you disagree? Do you think someone did that? Or is it very much just everyone yeah, was... did just enough at some points to kind of stumble drunkenly over the line? Yeah, it was definitely a committee approach, I would say. So People, like, Brooke had his moment hitting a three in the corner. can't remember what time it was, but like obviously late in the fourth. I think that was that the, the shot that took, helped them take the lead. It might I have think been. so. Something, think it was so. something around there. Dante. I mean, he had, had his missed free throw, of course, but still kind of, I mean, the fact that he looked like he was playable out there is in itself, a uh, stark contrast to how he started the series. Um, George Hill was kind of steady in his ways. I mean, not flashy, but still steady. Dante, sorry, just you're probably looking at, but don't look. Don't look if you don't know. Dante's plus minus today. Any guess? I saw it. Uh, sorry. It, that's okay. It was, a, <laughs> it was a plus 22. Do you not know at this point that I'm always going to do this? So don't I lock in. I, I got to look at it. Especially you, haven't, you haven't even written an article yet. That's normally <laughs> the reason that you've, you've got it. Uh, but Plus 22 for Dante, like, yeah, that's a big that's deal insane. considering insane. where we were a few days ago. Like, that's all Kyle, of the difference like, in the world. Over plus 10 in five minutes is insane as well. Because I know that was that came during that, like, 7-0 run stretch right before Giannis turned his ankle. But, like, <laughs> the fact that uh, the... That's almost a trend now. I think Corver's at about... Corver is probably on. He's definitely positive. He's one of five books or six books who would have a positive plus minus for the series. I I was about to say, him and Middleton, I think Marvin was in it before. I don't think he was going to be after today. But uh, yeah, the fact that he's. I mean, it's simple. We've talked about it with him before. Just shooting matters. (laughs) Scoring three points more than two is going to matter when you have someone out with him out there and spacing and everything. Corver's a plus 27 for the series. Wow. Wow. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Never mind. I had, I had the wrong filter on. This is what happens on NBA stats at this time of year. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Okay, he's not that, but he is the book's leader uh, plus minus in the series. 5.3. So that's on average. 20? So, yeah, 21. Mm. It's a right. trend at this point, and I mean, yeah. it's not hard to explain. And it's if you you could probably play him more if the short if the shifts are short enough, because you get him out there and his gravity matters. We know this. We understand yeah. this. Like, you could get him kind of four blasts of three minutes and pick and choose your spot very well to get him in and to get him out, and it can it can work out because he certainly helps the offense just by being out there. Uh, this is why the books have been desperately trying to get the best shooters they can for quite some time. Yep. And he, why he's, he's right up there. Every, every last minute. Possessor. Oh yeah. 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 But just as a decoy, I don't think yeah. he'll ever get the ball, which is maybe a mistake on those possessions. I, th- I don't think they actually draw anything up for him. I think it might've happened once this season. Like maybe, Go to that a little bit more often, given how the books <laughs> give it to it's Chris. More, it would be more generally works out. It would be more imaginative than what uh, some of the things that we saw today. There was a lot of scrambling. But again, that's been the bubble, right? I mean, that's yep. all of these games are nuts. And I mean, that feeds into two. Like, we're at this point, it's 3 1. There is, this is the close series that we all expected in everything bar the overall scoreline. You know, the books have not played well. Coach Bud has not had a good series. Giannis has not had a good series. All it would take is, say, Bud to have played Wes in the fourth quarter in games one and three. Or games one and two? One and and three. Um... That f- weird finale to game two to fall differently. Mm-hmm. Like, we could be talking about one of the least convincing sweeps in NBA history right now, and it would have been a book sweep. Like, that is that is the kind of weird series this has been. Like, the books have been terrible. They've been far and away the worst of the two teams. But I do also think that is being overplayed and overemphasized because of the expectations coming in. I mean, they're playing even worse relative to what we expected of them. And that is weighing on it where this has been a series where, you know, key moment here or there in the fourth quarter goes a different way. And this is entirely, entirely different right now. If I was the books, that's certainly something I'd be clinging to that, you know, even these games that have gone poorly and you've lost, you've been there and you just like don't have the worst quarter in NBA history and this series is tied right now they would have done the thing that last time we recorded we were like well if they get to 2-2 I mean they go through and win they didn't do that they're still facing what is essentially the impossible and will likely prove to be the impossible mm-hmm. but I mean all they can do is take it game by game it's the ultimate sports cliche and it usually just equates to empty words but it is the approach for the books right now it's just Go out one game at a time. You can't, you can't try and get it all back at once. It's impossible. So one game at a time, and if you can do it another couple of times, then all of a sudden, whoa, okay, we're here. We got something to play for. Long way off, still very unlikely, but it's a lot more likely, Jordan, when the score is three one than it is when the score is four zero. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> 
any other big takeaways, whether it's individual or team, from this game? I mean, do we want to just go to the minutes element of this, or? I think it, I think we have to. <laughs> At this point. Okay, so Chris played forty-eight minutes. This was an overtime game, so he didn't play every every minute exactly. Um, but yeah, still pretty heavy. Forty-eight of fifty-three minutes. Every minute of the second half. Every second, yeah, and their timeouts were used purely to get Chris some rest. Yeah, that, 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 that was shot of that shot of I think it was the end of regulation, maybe, or maybe it was overtime. I think it was overtime where he's like gesturing to call a timeout. I need to like rest. That was like perfect because he's like facing towards the Bucks baseline coaching staff. Brooke also played 42 minutes, Bled played 40, George Hill played 37, Dante played 27, Wes played 25, which is a little bit surprising. Although, do you know Wes is plus minus, Jordan? Yeah. Minus Oof. 25. Minus 25? I, that, that, I don't even know how that's possible. That's literally a point a minute. Well, <laughs> Dante being plus 22 and... Yeah. Wes being minus 25 and them playing 52 minutes in total, like, yeah. that's kind of, that's the story mostly there. Um, So there was a lot of, like, chatter about that even at the time. Again, where's Wes, where's Wes? But that might have been one of Bud's better calls in this series with the way this game had been playing out. Wes has really struggled offensively. I mean, he's been great yeah. defensively. He's clearly a very good matchup for Butler. But I think I understand, particularly in a game when you've lost Giannis, you, you don't need Wes there to, you know, space for Giannis. And Dante, looking like in the game and somewhat like himself, like he was today, bringing energy, bringing, you know, just a kind of direct style he has where he can go and drive. Like the game was almost won on Dante driving and getting fouled. That's something that Wes wouldn't have offered. So I think that might actually be in some pretty good recognition by Bud there. But look, okay, the point is minutes are way, way up. Now, part of that is, like, what choice is there? Giannis is not there. You cannot sit Chris Middleton. If no. you lose, you're gone. The game was close you're the whole way through. Game five. <laughs> if Giannis does not play, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, who knows how long he even sits. So, my thing with this, though, is the response that I have seen so far, I saw it during the game and just immediately after it is, you know, you know, why not? Why is he doing this all along? And I, there is a, there's a part of that, like, it, there's no denying that Yana should have been playing more minutes. Chris should have been playing more minutes. Look what just happened to Giannis. And I don't I don't know we can say that, you know... I don't know if we can hammer that one. I mean, the interesting thing here, and I, I think this is something I kind of tweeted around earlier, or I just kind of dipped my toe into without really elaborating. Long-time Bucks fans. Um, not even that long time. But, I mean, Bucks fans who've seen the whole span of this team. People like me, I've been around for the whole span of this team. If you've seen over the years, and if you're being honest about it, 
you'll know that of the book's two stars, one of them holds up very well under heavy workload playing lots of minutes, and the other does not at all. Mm. And Chris Middleton is guy A and Giannis is guy B. Yes. And that has always been the case. That was the case when Kid was there and they were both being played like all of the minutes every night. Chris was the guy who could always go a little bit longer and do so while, you know, giving you more positive returns on that front. There's easier ways to hide him too than there is Giannis. Like we saw eventually, like second half, he's more you know, he's playing against Butler, or he's not or he's chased around Duncan Robinson. I don't think it was a uh, like coincidence that when Duncan Robinson was starting to hit shots and threes, the first for the first kind of extended stretch of the series, it was when Middleton switched off him. You know, they were just trying to like save his breath, save you know, not having to expel so much energy on that side of the floor that you can you can do that with Chris in a, a different way than Giannis. I, I would say. You can, but I mean, and again, to be clear on this, I'm, I think we'll talk Bud more generally again when we yeah. talk about game, game three. We'll, we'll do that in a moment. This is not to defend Bud in any way because really the defense disappears in that Chris had also been playing so few minutes. Yes. Now, worth mentioning here too, I guess, is this was one of the first games where foul trouble, just not an issue for the books. And you had the freedom to go and play guys as long as you wanted. You didn't have to save them at any point in the game. And it kind of broke naturally. But not playing Chris longer stints before now, that's what works against Bud on this. When it comes to Giannis, though, I think there's something deeper here. And, I mean, this could that could apply on a number of different levels. One, I don't know if he's injured. I know he's injured right now. But I don't know if, say, that ankle has been bothering him for longer. Um, there was a significant amount of blood in terms of what it would have to bleed through on his on his knee pad at the end of game three. And I mean, even on that, Giannis was limping. Didn't he roll his ankle in like, was either the end of the Magic series or game one? Like, there's... It might have been game one. He was limping, he got over it. He was limping, he got over it. And the part of that is just, did he ever get over it? And that certainly comes into play when we think about, okay, what are his minutes? And then when you see what happened today, it's like, whoa, okay. Now, that's that's only one part of it. And maybe that's off base. And Giannis hasn't had issues before it became just as significant as it did ultimately today. But the other thing is just kind of deeper. And I... We know he's obviously he's had his knee issues in the past and they flared up and they were at their absolute worst towards the end of Kid's tenure and the end of that Joe Prunty season when he really had been kind of run really hard playing really significant and his, in totals. And his injury was literally as a result of... Yeah, it was a wear and tear injury. Like yeah, it was an endurance-related injury. And then, I mean, he's just... He's a really big guy. He's now pretty bulky. He has quite a lot to carry. He's unbelievably explosive. So the way he moves puts a lot of strain on his body. And then you have everything he does on offense, everything he does on defense, and the, the, the whole kind of the toll of what Giannis does. Like there is there is something there is something deeper with Giannis to what the books are doing there. Mm-hmm. There is there is something deeper, and I don't. 
I think there's lots of people who I just don't watch the books and may not be aware of that. There's lots of people who really just don't care and are angry about it. Maybe just lots of people who weren't always quite as locked in on, on the books as they might be now. But I think those who have watched the books for years will have seen that Giannis, one, doesn't play all that well when he really gets forced into heavy minutes totals. It weighs on him in a different way. We saw like the first quarter today when he played like, say, eight, nine minutes because he went a minute or two longer than his stint and the camera actually went to him. Like you talked about something similar at Middleton. This was the yeah. first quarter though. He was absolutely exhausted yeah. and he had asked two plays earlier like get me out of the game get me out of the game and then people are like mark jackson drew attention to it and that was maybe mark jackson's only positive contribution to the commentary for this game that's a that is an experience it's again topic for the off season we could just talk about all of these things but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> To, to then for him to say that and then he came back later i'm gonna get off mark jackson in just one second but to he came back say not long after yanis had gone and van gundy says i'd be really surprised if we see him again tonight and mark jackson's like i wouldn't you know if he if he could play at all he's got to play you've got to play him and i'm like okay yeah this is exactly why you should not get another job at the end yeah, it's been six years you haven't gotten why you yeah. haven't got one, yeah, is yeah. an even better way to put it. But to move off of that, I I think there is something here. I think whether it's just something kind of in the book's own analysis and their own sports science on it that they have decided more than any other player, they have to be careful with this. I think it stretches beyond just he's our most valuable player, we need to protect him. I I think there is some kind of meta to the madness there. And when you look back to times, even when he did play a bit more, you go back to last year, the conference finals, like just nothing good happens when he plays like 40 plus minutes. He really feels it and he makes bad decisions and he struggles. It's just, he doesn't have the clear mindedness. Like we saw Middleton obviously get gassed and have his issues, but we also saw him come true and get a second wind and make the couple of big shots that were ultimately you know, sealed the win. It doesn't seem like Giannis gets that. And I don't, I like a tired Giannis is not very valuable. Like if he gets to the point where he's exhausted, where he can't do what he'd normally do on defense, where he can't explode offensively, what's he going to do? Like settle for tired, weary legged jumpers. That's not what you want. So there's a, there's a difficult thing there that I don't think we quite have the answer for. And I think is just like everything is a lot more uh, nuanced, a lot more complicated maybe than it's currently getting credit for other players in the books. There's no reason. Chris Middleton is one. Uh, Chris Middleton can take it and he's now proven it again today, but it's not the first time over the years we've seen it. He can Mm -hmm. play like really significant minute totals and perform at his best. Giannis, to me, isn't one of those guys. But what do you think? Am I... No, I, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I think, you know, he's such a unique... It, it, I mean, everything about him is unique in, in just how he plays, everything like that. But, like, his body specifically is unique. And, you know, we've seen when it goes, you know, 
if it's treated unfairly or it's too physically demanding over a regular season, even over a playoff series, it it saps what makes Giannis special. It doesn't make him – he's – from from that perspective, I understand why there is such a need. I mean, it, besides just the fact this is your star, you can't have – look at what happened with Kevin Durant last year. And just remember, like, all the – Speculation: Why is he not playing? What what is going on? And then you have well, that's today, though. That is today. Although yeah. thankfully, it doesn't seem like we've had that kind of outcome. Uh, knock on wood. But that's exactly what happened with Giannis today. Is yeah. you know, guy shouldn't play. Plays. Oh no, it's gone wrong. Yeah, and there. I remember. I just remember this vividly of just saying like, "Well, he has a strain." Again, going back to the Durant situation, this is a little different. He has a strained calf. What's the it, it can't get any worse. It's like, yes, it can't. What are you talking? Like, I mean, we've there's countless examples of players time and time again. They hide their injuries. They want to play. This is their competitive people. This is what who they are by their nature. This is why they all, the day after their season finishes, they're all like, oh, this player's gone for surgery. That player's gone for surgery. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a tradition in the NBA. Yes. Yeah. And, um... I just, I don't know, like, I mean, to add on to the fact that, I mean, the Bucks, this is not here nor there of, of Giannis minister distribution, Bud's overall rotation, minutes, whatever you want to call into it. But the fact that the Bucks have been a markedly better team without Giannis on the floor is an interesting subplot to just how things have gone through the first four games. And I just think... I just think from what we've seen of him and just especially, I mean, even more so now in the last, you know, the last few hours since in the aftermath of his rolled ankle, I mean, you just have to take care of, you have to take care of a unique situation uniquely, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. And I also think, I mean, you talk about, him being an, a negative overall for the books this series, which he has been by a long way. I mean, even today, those numbers, 19 points, 11 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, plus two, and plus just two. just about, like, lucky to be that, considering the books are down nine after one. Like, just scraped that one out, literally, before he got injured. Yep. Um, that points to, though... I think the strengths of this Heat team, I, I, I do think it was very evident when he was gone that they were, like, thrown way off their game. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, all of the guys who have just been able to kind of star for them in their roles, particularly on the defensive end, just weren't quite as useful. You know, it's like, what do we do with all these guys now? That, um, that is, uh, like, I mean, we'll see how long this series goes beyond game five but it is that in itself is super interesting in how the heat are just a completely different team and it's not even just defensively it's offensively too i mean there were some times where you kind of see like oh this you get the bucks defense moving and you're going to get open shots especially from corners threes they're going to lose a man whatever it is but the fact that it takes that it's it's they're not the same team or you don't see the same kind of uh, defensive like cohesion, and it's just it's 
you would even say like the Bucks are it's it was so plain to see what the the Bucks offense was without Giannis. It's just hey, Chris, you're gonna handle the ball top of the, the nail. Offense, the offense was terrible. Like <laughs> it was it was as basic as it has ever been, ever, under any coach with these players on the team. Go back to kid, it was as basic. But the reason for that was because like it it was again the kind of pragmatism that we're gonna like we're gonna beat Bud for not using in other contexts because it was okay, what's the situation? Who's our best player? Who's playing best? What is our best chance to win this game and stay alive? Oh, I'm gonna do that. Which really is what Bucks fans have been calling for in so many other elements is just simply go, what is the best thing to do for us to win this game and do that? And there's lots of other areas where he hasn't done it, but that was evidence of it. And I think the Heat were almost more baffled by that because you're just, you're you're letting Chris play his game. And that actually isn't something that happens all that often. They've, you know, loosened up, allowed him to take some mid-range shots during the game and so to the best season of his career. But, (laughs) I mean, you haven't let him go out there and, like, throw back to before Bud became a head coach when Joe Johnson was the Atlanta Hawks, and that's what he used to do. That's what the Bucks' offense was tonight, was (laughs) the pre-Budenholzer Atlanta Hawks, where Joe Johnson just over and over again with ISO for 48 minutes. And he was a seven-time All-Star from doing that because yeah, know, like the, Chris Chris Olation, Chris Chris Price. Yeah. Oh, some, some guys, <laughs> some guys are just good at this, and Chris is one of them. So yeah. certainly, when he got smaller guys on him, like we know that story. That's it's 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 game over. But even when it was Jimmy Butler, and even on a couple of occasions when it was Bam, he he's not phased by that. And all of a sudden, the Heat are like. Wait, what? Oh, man, what are we going to do? And what was interesting to me is when Giannis was in the game, there were times that Chris would be stopped by the wall, by the Mm. wall that the Heat have set up for Giannis. And when Giannis was not there, that wall did not reform at any point. Where if it did, the Heat may be in the conference finals right now. Like, that is interesting. I wonder, does that change going forward? it would seem like a simple adjustment, but it's also just kind of counterintuitive. Like, oh, well, this isn't there. We don't need to defend like that. But then they've just been burned because you don't necessarily want to play Chris at his own game. Like, the one thing for me now when I look at the series and I think of, okay, Giannis is probably going to miss game five. Giannis could be out quite a while. Like, he could be out for the remainder of this series even if it went the distance. Like... There's a lot I would like about the Bucks' chances of staying close in these games. If only, if only there was a second option now. Now that Middleton is the first option. If there was another guy I believed in to consistently do their thing. I mean, it's probably most realistically Brooke, but you've got to rethink, rework how you feed Brooke. I mean, that's with your day off tomorrow. I think that's a big thing is, okay, well, we've got to rework our offense. If Giannis is out, We've got to rework things, and Brooke, let's get him some post-touches. I mean, a big game from Bledsoe right here could be colossal. You know, just one really big game, because Chris is not going to be quite as good necessarily as he was tonight every night, and even with that, he's going to need help, because Giannis did still have 19 points, and there's a chance that won't be there. 
but there is there's at least something interesting. I think it also just speaks to Chris is more adept at passing. I mean, we talked about it with Giannis and just kind of what is that final level that he needs to reach to translate regular season MVP form Giannis into, you know, just breaking down that wall, literally. You know what I mean? And it's a lot of it just comes out of Gian- or Chris can make passes that Giannis isn't there yet doing. Consistently. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. The thing with Chris, right? And uh, there's no secret in this. Like, we know, we saw it in this game. We saw him dribble off his foot again. Like, his ball handling and his passing to me are, are two still, like, relative weaknesses. If we're talking about him rounding out to be an even better player, I think there are two major areas. I just think he's got really, really good at absolutely maximizing what he has. And just kind of paying it off. Like, I still think Giannis has a much greater range of passes. But maybe he doesn't pick his moments, pick his spots as well as Chris. I feel like I feel like Giannis is passing. I mean, he the, the fact that he's, you know, seven foot, essentially. He can make passes that Chris phys- physically cannot. I think what's, sure. different, it, or what's different is that Chris knows I, I just I don't know I don't know I don't know how to like describe it perfectly but I just think he his reading of the situation or just being able I mean he's not going to be double teamed in the, in the same way that Giannis is or even well, triple teamed uh, we'll from now on you might be from now on but I just think there was I mean that one I think it was was it the Lopez three or the West three where he's literally on the – it was like a cross-court pass, and you're just like, what are you doing? And then it, it was – it not only gets to – Oh, it was the West, the West trade, the corner. He had an yeah, incredible – like shades of Kyle about... Lowry to OG Ananobi in game three of against the Celtics, Raptors Celtics. That pass has to be inch perfect. There's no inch other perfect. way it works out, and he got it inch perfect. Yeah. that There's something there that I think Giannis – I don't know. We're sweating here. Like, I I see it with that pass. No, I see your point with that because that is literally the pass that when Giannis meets this kind of defense, he needs to hit over and over again, and he he isn't quite hitting it at the regularity. I I think part of it is he doesn't lift his head up enough. Like I think that's yeah. the thing is he still feels and often rightly so that I mean, he, even can, he can get through that and he can finish it himself. Where maybe Chris's limitations mean that. He is more ready to be like, yeah, I know I can't score from this situation. I need to get the ball to someone else. Yeah. So I, I think that could be a part of it. I mean, the minutes overall then, uh, we talked about this, so you might remember. Was it John Hollinger's article that brought up Bud's minutes in Atlanta? Was yes, that it was. I, I think this is something which is interesting. And it's something that particularly with we've got the minutes we've got today, and I've got to assume we're going to see pretty big minutes going forward in the series. I don't think there's any other way. <laughs> well, yeah, they have no choice. There's literally no choice whatsoever. There's, look, there's been the playoff bud narrative for a long time. I have on this podcast on countless occasions being like, look, don't buy into this. This is not a thing. It's not as black and white. It's not as simple as it was made out to be. 
I still largely stand by that, but I also I can't deny what we've seen, what's happened here. And as things stand still, with the books looking almost certain still to be headed for the exit in the conference semifinals, my opinion, me as I think the greatest Bud supporter of the wall is Bud should and likely will be fired at the end of this series, at the end of the season. Having said that, there's a weird thing that has happened, which is now that everyone just piles everything on him, where everything becomes part of the, oh, he's doing it again, he's doing it again, this is it, this is like, he's always done it, he's doing it again. And Minutes is part of that, and Minutes is not part of that. Like, Minutes is something that everyone is now assigning to. This is just a year in, year out, Bud's always lost because of this kind of thing trade. That's not the case, because he didn't do it at all with the Hawks. He played guys really extensive minutes. Like, key playoff games, guys are playing high 40s minutes. Now, part of that that's also interesting is, I mean, some of, I think, the the most extreme times he leaned into that were in the conference finals. God, I can't remember the year. Was it 2014? Was it 2015? That would have been his second year, right? I'm just not good with years. I, yeah. Yes, it was. It was twenty fifteen. Plus two, they were they were just so broken down at that point. Well, it was twenty. That's what I'm getting at. The time where he really went most extreme on this, actually pushing it to the limit, where you know that ceiling he was talking about, no one would argue that he had broken through it. Was in the kind of final couple of games of the series with the Cavaliers, where the Cavs swept them. Um, but Kyle Corr ended up taken out by Delhi and injured. Al Horford was out of it, and Bud just was just like, "Yeah, okay, everyone's playing. You're playing like forty six to forty eight minutes. I don't care." And that has been a key part of what he has always done. And honestly, as well, when like Matt Moore had a great article, an article I really would recommend up on Action Network, um, day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. Before game three, yeah. um, basically just on like Bud and adjustments and why won't Bud adjust? And it was a really kind of good critical look at what Bud's doing, but I think also just a really interesting look at you know why it's not just Bud. Why this is something that happens over and over again with NBA coaches. And I think like when we discussed it privately, as I said to you, Jordan, I think the vast majority you looking at like eighty five percent of NBA coaches year in year out. This is what happens. They get to the playoffs, they stick with what they're doing, and it doesn't work out. And part of it is ingrained. But in that Matt Moore article, he looked at, you know, basically habits that Bud would have had ingrained with him from his time with the Spurs and from Pop. And Pop is very much not an adjustments guy. And another thing I'd say with Pop is, Pop is not a, let's play everyone 25 to 30 minutes. No. That has not been, like, that's not part of what the Spurs were doing over the years. So, this is very much a bud development since he got to Milwaukee. And maybe this feeds into our earlier conversation about Giannis. It's like, I don't know if there's a different directive. I don't know if there's a directive from front office, from the kind of the trainers and the sports science team at the books that, no, we believe and this is what we want to do. This is our philosophy as an organization. But it just simply hasn't always been his thing. So in seeing him with no other option break from that today and go back to 
really what it was more like what he had done pre-Milwaukee is interesting. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. I mean, I just think it's... It kind of takes care of itself. But the thing is, let's say Giannis is back in Game 5 or Giannis is back in Game 6. He can't play those minutes. Like, I mean, we... We're not going to have any doubt about that. So other guys may have to, but you can't do it with him. And people will probably be upset about that still, which would be a bit strange. But Bud is having a terrible, terrible series. Make no mistake about it. Uh, his decisions at like just crucial moments of subs in and out. The I mean, Wesley Matthews is the the ultimate example of it for as much as people are talking about Giannis minutes and Giannis has been terrible in his minutes mostly and the books have bled points. Like the big problem, the biggest problem of all have been the times when he's decided to sit Wes Matthews. And that right now is what's costing the books this series as much as anything else. But they're still alive somehow, kind of. And we'll see what happens. Game three, Jordan. Yes. Um, How do we get uh, to this point, Adam? <laughs> the books led by 12 yes. at one point in game. Oh, to start the fourth Second quarter. And they lost by 15, which that is the largest negative differential in the fourth quarter in NBA history. NBA playoff history, I should say, uh, which is quite something, not the kind of record you want to have. And I think what's almost more jarring is that, like, the books were right there with three minutes to go. They were, like, down three. Like, the quarter had gone poorly, but they were right there. Yeah, they had... Giannis, the last made field goal was like four and a half. Five, five minute, five minute mark. Five minute mark, Jesus. Yeah, uh, it was, it was bad. Uh, yeah, and it was not even like the Heat were playing that well until. I mean, the fact Butler, Jimmy Butler, had more free throws than Bucks made field goals in that fourth quarter. This kind of says it all. Yeah, just a meltdown of. I mean, un- unimaginable. Still, now that we're removed from it, and particularly now that they've actually won a game, yeah, it it feels like it's not real. It, that game is just won that forever. I there is something weird when you just think about that, you know, because I mean, particularly the perspective you and I have come from, and where we've dived back into books history countless times, and you go back to old box scores and everything from old series and try to get a feel about it and then you go and read some and you you get a sense of how it is but the fact that say it could be 10 years from now it could be 20 years from now someone is going to just land on a box score of this series or flick through it and they're just going to be like oh they they got blown out they lost by 15 that wasn't good you know that yeah. there'll just be that at a glance look at that game i find this is getting something maybe that's just kind of deeper and existential for me but i find that so strange i find it so strange that all that pain in the moment jordan in the future they won't even know it it was, like, oh, it was a blowout i don't know i mean it was still 40 to 13 in the yeah but that's if they actually look at it but True. you know let's say you're on basketball reference do you even click in when you see it was a 15 point loss you're just like yeah they got blown out how dramatic could it be if they lost by 15 you know? <laughs> it's a it's a weird weird thing and it was a 
pretty incredible game. I mean, the thing, if we're talking about the differences between the two games, um, Bud's big adjustment in game three was Pat Connaughton played one minute and Corver played five. Yep. And that Dante. meant for all intents and purposes, it became an eight-man rotation with Dante making the cut, which wasn't necessarily what he deserved based on his play in the series or in the the playoffs or the bubble more generally, but turned out to be a good call. Uh, had a good game then. I mean, he's now double digits in his last two games. So that was certainly not the decision I'd have been making, but it, it has paid off. I mean, Corver still played five minutes, say Pac got 13 minutes though. And he was rough. Oh. He was rough, but I like... I don't think I don't think he's he was in a position. That's, that's just the we need an extra body because Giannis yep. is gone, right? Very and much so. Yep. I don't trust Ersan. I don't trust DJ. I don't trust Sterling. Now my problem with that, and this would be another criticism of Bud, and one that you and I both have and have discussed and have written about, but I think is more widely flying under the radar, is his inactive decisions are making no sense. Like Robin Lopez today, in particular, when. Brooke, all of a sudden, you asked out of the game. So you're only like big with actual size is Brooke. Brooke comes out of the game and the heat just, it's like red carpet out to the rim over and over and over again because the books have no size and Robin isn't even in uniform. Yep. It's like 12 15 at the restricted area today, 7 14 at like the pop up zone, Johnny Max style. That's got to change uh, for Game 5. I'm going to guess it will change. That, yeah, just... Like, just if Giannis is inactive, yeah. Robin yeah. will be active. Yeah, but Robin, Robin should play, I think, yes. is very much my take on it and has I been don't think the whole it, way through. Hollinger touched on this, too, in that same article. Like, Marvin Williams is not a 5. He, he just can't. I that's, that's one thing that I don't... I haven't understood the whole series for the start of the series and the fact that it's just, you need a body. And I think, I think there's ways to, especially with, if you're going to get the ball to your guards, like Hill, Bledsoe, obviously Middleton, you just need a guy that screen that screens. You need some kind of just something different than just like, Hey, we're going to switch this screen. We're trying to get Dragic hero, maybe Kendrick nuns out there. Like any, any like, advantage that you need when you're this your back is against the wall you're on the ropes whatever the terminology is when you're done three one oh on the ropes is absolutely it yeah you just need something to just free up your ball handlers it is yeah it, it that's where that's part of the painful uh parts of just watching this series well the, the thing with marvin is he's essentially going up against like he's going up against a power forward. Like yeah, but Bam is an ultra athletic power forward. Oh my god, he's just I, like he's insane. He is ridiculously he's, good. He's really good. He is. But the point is, he could easily, if the Heat's roster was constructed differently, and if he could shoot a little bit better. Which honestly, with some of the shots I've seen him make, and just kind of his touch, generally, I, don't think, that, I think in due time he'll be a three point shooter. Yeah, I think that's gonna come, and that's kind of scary. But. That's kind of the problem here for Marvin is it's 
Like, we talked about his mobility and being a bit more athletic, and that was a big part of, oh, you've got him, so it takes Urson out of the equation. Is Except this is a, he's up against a player who's going to expose him in that way, yep. and he's nowhere near strong enough either. Like, he doesn't have... He's like mobile. He's, he's going to lose both of those battles against Bam, like, comfortably, not even with putting up resistance. Like I'm not, I'm not advocating for Ursan to play, but Ursan is stronger than Marvin, and there might be times where he would just be able to make Bam feel him in a different way, like make him feel the strength. Where Marvin is just, it's no competition. This is a guy who, like, was a small forward for a long time in his career, mm-hmm. and I mean, the game changed and he became a four, but in a physical sense. He is still a small forward, really, in a lot of ways. So, you know, Bam is Bam's got size on him. He's much stronger. He's much more athletic. It's just bad in every way. And honestly, that for the books more generally is now a bigger problem uh, because Giannis is gone. Like the Heat, maybe we'll see this. Particularly, Alinek was back. The Heat should probably play Bam. But- four a bit and play Kelly Olenek at the five if Giannis is going to be out. Because... I kind of I thought that was that would be a more uh, featured like part of the rotation. Maybe well, just... I expected it too because we thought Bam would guard Giannis, which just hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah. and they... Hasn't, uh, hasn't needed to happen. If it exactly needed to, that, that might have happened. And that's something that could cause the books problems just because if Brooke had to take someone else, although you wouldn't necessarily have Brooke on that, that might be one where you'd get Marvin to then chase a guy. But like, that's the kind of different look, which it just, it gets a little bit more complicated because like what happens next? What happens next? Giannis is out game five, let's say. And I really do think he will be. I'm guessing Dante gets to start. Yeah. Because he's now, like, remembered how to, like, move his arms and limbs and <laughs> move up and down I'll the floor. The and, <laughs> like, I think Dante gets the start. So you're pushing everyone up a spot. So Chris is going to start at the four. I think you see a lot more of Corver. Just for size purposes, really, is it? Size and just spacing. That was one I thing that... That's, I, sorry to cut across you, but I, I do think for all of the concerns that are, there are, that exist and are there for good reason with Corver, and for all that everyone will complain when that happens, it's not even if, when it happens, if you've got to do more minutes, and, uh, I mean, we saw the evidence of it again today, like... Corver needs to play more and Conant needs to play less because at least Corver gives you the offensive threat that he does because Pat doesn't have that and he's smaller and the books just need more size now. Yeah. They they just need I think that at this point you're you're gonna take your losses literally with Corver defensively, and I think there's ways to kind of I don't know. I who knows? But I, you just need when it's just Middleton and, you know, when Bledsoe decides to drive to the basket. The fact that he was 6 of 7 on twos and 0 of 6 from three today. Like, it was just like, oh, I'm going to decide to go to the basket. I can do what I want. It's when he's backing up and 
I can't remember who it was. It was that oh, it's it's the worst possession of like. Oh, there's been some competition even in this series, but that is that might be the most painful possession of the season, just because of like the clock was at like four, and he's like, "No, I'm gonna back way out." Yeah, and then he basically throws up an air ball. And you're like, just what are you, what is going through your brain? How does this happen over and over again, Eric Bledsoe? How have you not learned by now? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, he had a good game in a lot of ways. Uh, there's, still, there's still chaos, <laughs> even within the positives. I'm glad you're doing grades for Behind the Book Pass tomorrow, because I, I have no idea how I'd grade Bledsoe. <laughs> Uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I just have no idea. Maybe you settle for like a B minus and try and split the difference, or because I just I've no idea. Some of his plays late in the game, oh, not good. And then other crucial plays too. I mean, some really good passes. Yeah, he did make game, a good range shot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I who, knows? who knows? This is the Eric Bledsoe playoff story in a nutshell. Well, it's it's actually it's the wider story. It was like you know the way we normally have his regular season on one hand and his playoffs on the other. Yeah. It's like we had the equivalent of that. We had the good and we had the bad, and it all came together. Trying to make like poached eggs, and like one is like perfect, and the other one's like pfft, like you just like the egg just the egg the shell everything just breaks when it's playoff time. Do you know what would be really useful right now? An egg maker? Uh, no. Um, I don't know. If DJ Wilson could hit a tree. I, well, there, I mean, talk about another funny moment. And oh, we, him going, him thinking he was coming in. I mean, they'll sit down. Because we were, I think we were talking about this after game two. And I'm just thinking like, they're playing as small as they are. And you're just like, yeah, it would be really good if DJ Wilson was a solid offensive player. If he could just hit shots, <laughs> what he did in that four four to six week stretch uh, a year ago, in like the middle of like January and February, where everybody's like, "Oh my God, who? What have we found? What is this this diamond in the rough of the Bucks's del- uh, developmental plans?" This, if you're playing this small, like if this is DJ Wilson in that tidy stretch or whatever it was right before the All Star break, like. I mean, I, I think everybody would just be like, oh, yeah, like that would make sense. It would make sense to have DJ Wilson. What if DJ Wilson's going to be the well, – was he – he was active today, right? Yeah, he was active, yeah. He's been active, like, all along. This is the thing is – I thought he was – oh, he must have been inactive. One inactive when Frank Mason was active. But yeah. the last two games, certainly, oh, DJ was active. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I think if – if Bud has decided, and I, I don't see why this should be the case, but it certainly looks the case, if there's a decision that, like, Rolo can't play, I don't know why, because there isn't a good reason. But if that is the case, I think DJ should be playing. If Giannis is out, I think DJ should get some minutes. And, like, say Kelly Olynyk, who I mentioned, for example, I think DJ could do a better job of guarding Kelly Olynyk than Marvin Williams. Like, if... You're gonna pick your spots, and when Brook goes goes off the, the floor, and try to get Brook off the floor when Olenek comes in and goes small and go with DJ at the five. I think he's better, like just in terms of mobility and his athleticism. 
that's a better bet to bother Linux, and Linux has had a good series and has bothered the Bucks plenty of times over the years. Like, I think that might be a better option. I don't. I mean, maybe it's better than having Marvin on Bam if you're going small, particularly with no Giannis. But I don't think it's uh, DJ on Bam is going to end well. This is no. a long-running thing. People are like, oh, DJ at the five, DJ at the five, and like but even the scrawniest center is just like heat him up and spit him out. It's yeah. like DJ's had his some of his more finer moments in the NBA against the Heat, but yeah. I just don't putting him on Bam is just you're it's not waving the white flag, but it's like, hey, try your best. <laughs> you know, just it would not work. I mean this series and even this conversation is a real indictment of the book's depth and what's Absolutely. essentially been fake depth all season long. Because again, it's like okay, so if if you don't think Rolo can play in this series and he couldn't play in the last series. Like, why did you're, you sign him? You're three, yeah, you're three off-season missions. One of them is inactive. Corbett played how many minutes? Let's go back to the thing. Um, 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. Wes Matthews can't see the floor in fourth quarters for whatever reason when, you know, his primary assignment has specific... Has specific yeah, the, the, series the reason is for that one is different, I think. That's, that's not Wes's fault. But, I mean, the thing is, okay, so even Bud won't play Urson now. So Urson's like, forget it. He's not a part of this. Yes. I do wonder, like, could he have done more than Pat today? Uh, Pat's minutes were bad, and this is a couple of games in a row. I don't, like. But I think Pat, having Pat out there, too, for as much of his struggle. The ball that, moves. Is that goes. Ball moves and it's uh, speaks to Sterling's regression too, right? But that's again. So you've got Sterling, you've got DJ, uh, then you've got Rolo and active Frank Mason who played earlier in the series and active. Like that stuff doesn't make sense. But if you want to take Sterling, DJ, and Urson, like add Rolo too. Okay, so it's four players who just thought they're unplayable. Like you can't have four unplayable players. I mean, the Heat maybe have one who's actually unplayable, unless Udonis Haslam. He's basically a coach and has been for years at this point. Yeah. I mean, other than that, like, who did they have tonight active they didn't play? Solomon Hill. Yeah. Like, Jesus, if the Bucks had Solomon Myers Hill, Leonard. Solomon Hill would be playing Leonard. 25 minutes. Myers Leonard is definitely in that list because he got a cameo in game three. It was I didn't, I didn't go player. well. Yeah. Even Brooke was lighting him up in the post, which is like, oh. That's not a mismatch. <laughs> Myers Leonard, like, he is a guy that's like the avatar for like, oh, you're you could be what Brooke is because you shoot threes pretty well. Oh, you, but you can't defend. You, you can't, can't defend. defend. He's he's absolutely he's nothing there. I had a very this is a little off topic, but I guess it feeds into what this game could have been, what today could have been. I was getting a little bit wistful earlier and I was thinking, hmm. What got us to this point and what could have been different? Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, I know where you're going. Where am I going? Is it trying? Is it a player that was let go? It's a it's a now former book, yeah, that I just would be really useful right now. I, is he is he a 
I think a restricted free agent, unrestricted free agent Ooh. for a team that's not that far away. Just a state over. Yeah, he is. I didn't realize that that contract was up now. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty. That's where I was like, oh, that's... that's." Oh, wait, no, no. We're talking about a different guy. We're talking about a different guy on the same team. <laughs> wait, who are you talking about? I was talking about Tony Snell. <laughs> I'm okay. Tony Snell, Jordan. That's what I'm getting at. I had this thought this morning. I was like, it's just unfortunate, that contract, because in so many ways, Tony Snell was useful. In the playoffs, right? Sorry? He didn't play in the playoffs last year, right? No, he was injured. Yeah, he was injured then. That's right. And then he was just excised. Poor Tony. Tony is like the kind of player who, when I've been watching quite a lot of Pat minutes In the playoffs last year. Sorry. I, I think he only played... It was late in the series, if I'm I remember right correctly. Now. He played... Yeah, it was all garbage time against Detroit, Boston. Same for Toronto. Yep. I forget. I told, again. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Tony Stone's on Masters team. <laughs> but I think he's a yeah. It is. I guess the way it worked out was weird. But I just had a thing where it's like, hmm, I'd rather see Tony Snell play than some of these guys right now. For a second, I thought he was a free agent. I was like, that contract, oh, he's just a player option that he's absolutely opting into. Yeah. Um, which is why he was traded in the first place. Yes. But, yeah, no, I guess, yeah, Christian Wood would be useful right now, too. Uh, Dragon Bender, he might be useful right now. Uh, more so than some of the other players. If, if they had stuck with Dragon Bender and played him and got him some reps beforehand, although... I mean, not like there was a lot of season after he was cut to give him reps in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, all of that speaks to uh, the scale of the job, regardless of what happens in the rest of this series and the rest of the season. Even if there was a miracle in the books got out of this, the scale of the job facing John Horst this summer when a lot of these guys are free agents and when you're going to have some some big concerns, you could say. Yeah. Yeah, on your mind, and on top of that, you will have to completely build your depth with like nothing to do it with. Oh my god! I literally, especially after game three, I'm just thinking because I think I was a lot like a lot of other Bucks fans and just staring into like, what does this team look like? What do you do? You know, are you gonna run I mean, it back? It's likely back? still the same. It's likely still the same now. I mean. Big changes are coming. Oh, <laughs> Big yes. changes. Unless the Bucks do pull this out and win this series. And, again, yeah. never been done. Not impossible, but the prospects are not looking we, great. We literally have to rely on the Red Sox beating the Yankees in, where they won the, their, broke their World Series drought. That's like the, I don't think, is there another 3-0? Is the, I, well, see, I would not know that. I didn't know when they won the World Series. That was... Was it like a hundred years of some stupid? 86 years, I think. It was the reason why they made Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Don't plan on it. I just remember uh, Jack oh, and Lost finding out the Red Sox won the World Series. That's what I remember. There. What? 
There are two teams. Oh, never mind. Never mind. There are teams that have gone from 03. Weirdly, isn't that? No, that's not. Uh, the Denver Nuggets and it's Jazz. Just podcasting this. Yeah, I'm just reading <laughs> Wikipedia and just not saying anything. Yeah, you're uh, just you're just teasing everyone and not giving any of the information. Uh, two teams, Denver Nuggets in 1994 came down from 03 and lost 3-4. 2003 first round. That was the conference semifinals too. A 2003 first round, Trailblazers were down 0-3 to the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks won in Game 7. Hmm. Mm, is my reaction to that. I mean, I all the books can do is win Game 5. Like, this is... It's just got to be a game at a time right now. Um, win Game 5... Then you can really start to think a little bit more about it. You can make the heat feel a little bit antsy. I mean, the interesting thing is what is happening in the other series in the conference. Mm-hmm. Mind do the Bucks any harm see the Raptors win tomorrow night? Roll off three wins in a row from being, you know, in a pretty grim spot. Yeah, it would be very uh, inspiring. <laughs> To see something, uh, uh, basically see what the Raptors did to the Bucks last year, and like, hey, this is possible to do again. But that is also that is also the thing. If there's ever a team, or if there's ever a coach that knows it's possible for teams to roll off four four wins in a row, it's the Bucks and it's Coach Bud. Uh, they just have not been on the right side of that yes. very often. Well, I mean, they were in the last round, I suppose, but. Yeah, not against a team like this. But, I mean... At this point, Jordan, anything can happen. Anything can happen in the NBA. Anything can happen in this world. We can't expect it. We can just see, okay, go one game at a time. What happens next? I do think to our wider point and to the off season, like anything other than the miracle and... Uh, we won't have to worry too much about the draft pick or getting acquainted with a new draft pick because that pick will be moving and it'll be moving alongside <laughs> a one multiple players. Any future picks in the closet, they will be going to like. Good thing I got my scouting reports out of the way. <laughs> the fax machine that that will be thrown in. Like, yeah. I mean, basically, if this goes the way it looks like it will still go barring the books making history major trades major trades anyone other than Giannis could go and who knows like we see what happens with Giannis um Bud will likely go although can you remember Bud signed a three year deal or Four. Two yeah, years left in this contract. Hmm. It's quite well, a lot when... For a, team, for a team that already ducked the luxury tax. For a team that's ducked the luxury tax is now facing, like, the inevitability of it and is also bleeding revenue <laughs> in a pandemic. pandemic. And <laughs> may not have fans back in an arena anytime soon. Like, yep. that is the only thing there. Um. So... You, the newly formed Fire Bud Brigade, you know, yep. you could have quite a bit of time to, you know, push with that. 
And the great thing about Bud is he'll be absolutely brilliant for many months. The books will have a great regular season. So, <laughs> yep. like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. That's a that is an interesting wrinkle, and I think that's the only wrinkle. But the dynamic yeah, there is so the strong thing. that it reflects really poorly on them if they don't do it, because then people talk about the penny pinching. And honestly, and my personal opinion is. More than anything else, I think Bud gets fired at the end of this series if the books lose. Because if you don't fire Bud, the conversation will circle back around to Malcolm Brogdon. Like, people won't forget the Bud of it all, they won't forget everything else, but eventually there'll be a lot more talk about it, where if you can almost officially, and for the history books again, and talking about what gets remembered, what gets forgotten. If for the history books, you can, you know, oh, the books lost that series 4-1 and Mike Budenholzer was fired. Well, that's the story, right? That's that's what the problem was. It was the coach and only the coach and that's what everyone remember forever. And it could be costly, but if that is going to happen, I think that is not a factor that I would overlook completely. Just that, from an ownership perspective, I'll say it's going to be what drives their decision, but if this becomes a blame game scenario, they they do have another scapegoat that, from an optics perspective, they can play a different game. And that game is not something that's irrelevant. It's not a game that's just kind of about vanity or anything from an owner's perspective because it's also about what you can sell, Yanis. Yeah, you can't, you can't. The other part of the other part of that, though, then is like, does Giannis want Bud to go? <laughs> if it, if it, those quotes after the game, Giannis is not one for. Uh, he's a he's a, we we know this. He's a very loyal person. He is he mm-hmm. he's not going to uh, you know for lack of a better word, be a diva or just kind right. of... But be... I get that point, okay? I get that point and I yeah. get the... We've we've obviously been through this. We went through this with Kid and we all laughed because we were, you know, what the reactions, the overreactions from outside Milwaukee about, you know, his relationship with Jason Kidd is so strong and this is really... This is, he's devastated and he rang and he tried to... He offered to save Kid's job, all that stuff. The thing that is different now is, one, how close he is to free agency. Mm-hmm. But two, let's say he is still very much that Bud is the coach that, you know... I mean, Bud is going to have been there two seasons, and Giannis is going to have one MVP in both and Defensive Player of the Year as well in another. Yeah, he might like this coach. Like, he might be invested in this coach and think, yeah, this guy is not the problem, and I want to keep him. And if the Bucks decided to move in spite of that, it then becomes, well, you didn't keep Brogdon last year, you didn't keep Bud this year. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there is there is a snowball effect where even Giannis being, like, the kind of the good soldier, he's never going to throw anyone under the bus, but then when something happens, you go, oh, he'll get on with it, he'll get on with it. Mm, there's there's kind of there's a tipping point for that and given the decision he has and the juncture he's at in his career i don't know if you want to test that so they'd really have to get a feel on that and even just 
how you go about that is maybe messy. It's maybe tricky. Like, I don't think you want to be going and, like, Yas, do you think we should fire Bud? And Yas was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Why would you do that? I don't want him fired. And then, oh, no, no, we're never going to do that. Like, you don't want to plant that in his head either if he's not. It's, that's a kind of complex and messy thing. Yeah, they wouldn't, I mean, without question, they wouldn't do it without Giannis's blessing, for lack of a better word. But th- this is where we are if you if you have such a catastrophic exit. You're not getting swept, but you're still in a season where the result was either getting to, you're, you had to improve on what you had last year. Everybody talked about it from the top on down. Even Budenholzer was talking about, you know, lessons being learned and all this stuff. And you lose in the second round against, again, credit to the Heat for everything that they've done. But compared to where the Bucks were for a lot of the season, they weren't better than this Bucks team. And they, that, that's, you can't, there's no way to save face with that in any other way. It's a results oriented business. And if you're taking a step back, which this is, and you are staring at how does this team get better with very limited resources? You don't want to upset the apple cart so much because really there's not there's no need to reinvent the wheel like how it was when they fired Kid. It's the fact that they've they they have not gotten the finals. We're going to near on you know fifty or not even fifty, but close on how many years it's been since they last won the finals. Like it's you there's no way to go about it other than someone's going to fall for this and you know it's going to be someone like bud yeah the other thing and i mean it's this is the part of the books fan base that was just broken forever by jason kidd he did long lasting damage to more than just like yannis jump shot uh, <laughs> seriously i'm i'm yes, not joking at all he broke it permanently I can't, like, you have seen the same as people who have been, like, rooted in this day to day. The, the whole thing turned so much more toxic from that point and has never reverted. Yeah, no, one, no other coach will be fairly... It's probably going to be the same thing with Bulls fans after you see what the hell Jim Boylan did. You yeah, I mean? yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. You view a coach true. Like, this is this is driven me crazy for quite a while and i've brought up lots of times like everything is not the coach's fault like yeah and every every single decision doesn't be need to be nitpicked to an insane level like it just and this has been the thing when it's been oh you know the books are giving up open trees and it's like it's overlooking what the scheme was and how the scheme has performed overall because there's just it's the sensitivities that are just you know they they're there they live it's like a rot that exists. I, but sorry, just to, just to finish the yeah, point sorry. on this, I think the difference is like upgrading from Bud is not easy. It's no. it's not easy. It's more fun with anything. Well, I, there's a handful of guys in the NBA that you can say are definite upgrades, and you've no guarantee of getting them. You probably won't. Like you might say, "Oh yeah, uh, let's get Eric Spolstra." He's gonna say no. Let's get Rick Carla. He's going to say no. Let's get Greg Popovich. He's going to say no. I mean, maybe there is someone you can lure away. I don't know. I don't think so, particularly with how precarious Giannis' situation is. If you look at the guys who are out of work, 
you know, who are who are you saying is guaranteed that's the upgrade? I think the only person that you can make a case is Ty Lu because he's won a championship. But Ty Lu's head coaching career is not all that long. <laughs> and the situations he found himself in, you know, not perfect in terms of measuring what he is as a coach longer term. It would be a similar situation. Yeah, it would be a similar situation where... I, I think he's a great ego manager as much as anything else. Like, he's a he's a good X's and O's coach. I'm not saying that, but he's a great ego manager. Uh, the problem is the books don't really have egos. <laughs> yeah. Maybe to, maybe to a fault, the books don't have egos. Like, Ty Lu is a much more obvious next Sixers coach. Uh, if ever yes. there's if ever there's a team that needed someone who could come in and do that, it's the Sixers. But like with that, so then it's you're getting into assistance and like Sure, maybe you find your Nick Nurse. Maybe your Nick Nurse is on your staff. Maybe the job that Darvin Ham gets this summer will be the books job after all. I don't know. I don't know enough about his basketball perspective. These are the things you it can be tough to pin that down with an assistant until they're put in the hot seat. Can the books play that game? Like, it feels like the books need something more proven. And yet, you know, what's proven that's better than Bud? Because even, like, you can write him off as, oh, he's a regular season coach. That may well be true. We're seeing that. But there is also something for that because you can't get a coach who comes in and gets you the fourth seed and then you're in a 4-5 matchup against a better team to begin with. And, like... I know you could be playing the heat in the first round or something like there is also something to be said for coming in as a one seed as the books have the last two years. I just think it's a very messy. I wish that I hadn't opened this kind of worms yet considering the books won and we're still in it, but it's, this is essentially just a sampling of what we're going to be doing for quite some time because like this is going to almost certainly finish uh, in a book series loss and in the end of their season in the second round and from there just every bit of it is a mess like the thing we're all going to think about the thing that's going to certainly kind of suck up all of the national attention is Yana Supermax and then what happens beyond that but actually even if Giannis makes a decision on that even if Giannis said I want to stay in Milwaukee I'm signing the Supermax like there would be a whole bunch of messy stuff beyond that to figure out in terms of your roster, in terms of how you fill it out, in terms of do you just, you've got to move on from Bledsoe because it's happened again, or you, like, are you, have you got to move on from your coach? How do you, it's just, like, complicated would be significantly understanding it given just, like, the lack of anything at the book's disposal, and that's without... You know, what is the salary cap going to be? When is the draft? When is free agency? When are they going to play basketball again, Jordan? Yes. What a it, time to face all these questions for the books. Like, what a what an off-season to face that. And even Giannis will have the option to sign his Supermax right up to the day before the new season. Yep. Like, when he, the hell is that going to be? That could be like... He has all, he has all the leverage here. He may have all the time, too. Like, yes. that could end up being a long, long time. Um, even when plans are set out, that could end up being a lot longer. We are, live in a very uncertain world where, you know... Yeah, so... I hope that's set the table for winning six off-season of chaos coming very soon. <laughs> uh, possibly as soon as a few days from now. Yeah. Because there's 
there's going to be a lot to talk about. I I did and do. I don't know why the sentence came out that like why that was such an effort. It's it's nearly two a.m. for me. I'm not used to this anymore for podcasts. Um, I didn't do any draft research beyond reading the articles based on the draft research you did this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that I'm definitely going to do a whole lot more than that going forward. But the good news is I don't think I need to. I think it would be yeah. a waste of my time. Yep. But hey, you got it out of that, that Malcolm Brogdon trade. You know? <laughs> that 25th pick. I, don't, or 25th. I was trying to wrap up. Don't don't get me talking about that. The value of that pick. The great return. Um, okay. That'll do it for, for us for this episode. It won't do it for the books, not just yet. They've got at least one more to come. If the next time you hear from Jordan and I, the books have won two games, like if if we can stick to our we're doing this every two games rule, yeah. How great would that be? That'd be crazy. I think that is... Can I I make my revised prediction? Yes. I think the Heat win in seven. I think the books get it all the way back to a game seven and then lose. And we the all ultimate just... Wisconsin sports heartbreak. Yeah, we all just have, like, complete nervous breakdowns. Like, it's just no books fan will ever recover from what the books are about to do to them. I think that could be what the next week could have in store for us. Yep. They win game five, games six, without Giannis. Giannis returns, conquering hero. For game seven, only for the books to lose. I don't like. I don't know. Uh, which player would be the worst to? Jay Crowder. Yeah, Jay Crowder. Jay this year's Fred VanVleet. I've seen him play. He's not this good. Or just it's just shots. He doesn't hit the. He doesn't hit shots. Well, I'm not going to do it now because that's for another day. But I I do think there is a larger discussion to be had and a question to be had and for the books themselves and for Bud even whether it's with Milwaukee or it's elsewhere to think about the scheme and to think about at what point is it not random that one guy will always get this hot and always torture like this yeah um, yeah it's the, it's the I think that is as of now if, if the Rockets would have lost that game seven it would have been called uh, the loot Dort theory <laughs> that's what it would have been yeah, the poor Lou Dort. Who's the Bucks, Lou Dort? That's what we need to find out. Except in a hopefully in a game seven uh, win. Anyway, realistically, we'll be back after game five to talk about the end of the Bucks season. But we can always hope. Until next time, thanks as always to all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on SoundCloud, add us and sit your favorites and tune in radio. Well, you can read mine, Jordan, the rest of the team's writing at BehindTheBookPass.com. We have reaction there every day, analysis on all things books. And uh, tomorrow morning, which is Monday, Jordan and I will have takeaways and grades up from Game 4, if you're into that kind of thing, so go check that out. Until whenever we're needed again. Yes. Thanks to all of you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.